Lena, Kane says. A current shoots down my spine. I'm deleting the app before he has a chance to see what it is. When the blue square disappears from my screen, I turn my head. Yeah? What are you doing? I turn and face him with the rest of my body now, phone still squeezed in my fist. Oh, nothing. I just downloaded the wrong app. Right, he says. He's in his towel heading for a shower. He picks up his protein shaker and gives it a few pumps. I'll be quick. Are you ready? Yeah, I say, my voice a little tight. Almost. He doesn't seem to notice a slight tremble in my hand holding the phone as he drains the liquid, the muscles in his throat working. He has clipped his hair again, a few millimetres of salted black. The towel is loose on his waist, and beneath the kitchen downlights, he looks as lean as he ever has. He's getting his SAS body back, but it's more than that. More mass, a bulging chest and shoulders. Love you, he says, stepping closer now, placing a kiss on my forehead. Quick, I say, we've got to go. Everyone has secrets, I tell myself. Or is it just one of those things people, bad people, tell themselves? Whispering little lies to get through the days, just how my mother had done. A secret like mine is a snake in a box. So long as it's trapped inside, it can't hurt. He goes to the bathroom and a small surge of relief floods through me. But this night is far from over. I watch him get dressed, his body mapped with pale scars up his left side, concentrated between his knee and hip, with slashes reaching up to his shoulder. Surgeons managed to cut out most of the shrapnel, and his body has since squeezed out more. But there are still scraps encased in knots of scar tissue that'll be there until he dies. He pulls his shirt on, climbs the buttons with his fingers. I adjust his collar. Find it still warm from the iron. A smile now. Pale brown eyes that catch the light, and those dimples bracketing his mouth deepen almost too charming for his weathered, rugged face. I think about the app again. Stay the course, I tell myself. You set for work later? He asks. Yep, I've got my uniform in the car. Nerves crisp beneath my sternum. I push back against the feeling. He can't complain about me picking up shifts. His recklessness is partly to blame for putting us in a financial hole. Our monthly repayments on the credit card barely cover the interest, let alone pay off the debt. We're heading about 25 minutes southeast of the CBD, an area full of big two-story places whose residents all work in the city and whose yards are full of harmless dogs, Labradors or collies. Kane steers through the streets to the motorway heading south, and soon we are rolling along the tree-lined streets. I'm grateful he's driving. I spend half my day behind the wheel. People think an ambulance officer's job is performing CPR and administering EpiPens, when really we spend much more time navigating traffic and waiting in car parks for our next call. I should have taken something. A Valium, maybe. For the first time in months, I crave a drink. It's like I can taste an earthy red on my tongue. Knock, knock, I call through the screen door when we arrive. Hello? Come in, Axel's deep voice calls. It's unlocked. We walk through to the living room, 
white walls, pale timber floorboards. They bought this place a few years ago, and it's much bigger than our rental. A show home. It barely looks lived in at all. Hello, lovelies, Claire says, striding to Kane first for a hug. Jesus, you need to chill on the bench press. Tell me about it, I say. Taj, their 12-year-old beagle, is at her heels. Claire hugs me, kisses the air beside my cheek. She calls herself the Yogoth. She has bottle black hair, shellac nails and tattoos, and owns her own yoga studio in the city. I've gone along once or twice. I always feel good afterwards, but horribly inflexible during. I love your hair, she says. Very short, very chic. She might as well be complimenting her own hair, which is shorter, darker, and undeniably more chic. But I appreciate it.